Hello and welcome to this another edition of Words from the Word of God. Thank you so much for joining us today. The grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of our loyal listeners. And if you're a new listener to Words from the Word of God, may it be with you as well to everyone. Uh, as we enter in, we, we go back into Psalm 103 today, and I, I know we're staying here for the last few broadcasts, but you know, it's it's such a powerful message here. As I said, you know, of Charles Spurgeon, they they he said that as he quoted from Psalm one about Psalm one hundred three, he said, "It is so full of grace, mercy, and love that it could be the whole Bible." And certainly that is true if you read it and you allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to speak to your heart. But let's look at, uh, I want to look at verse 7 down through verse 12 today as the Lord leads. And let's just start reading his word here. You know, oftentimes we, we speak words and our words will fade. Our words usually last about as long as we live. You know, even if they last an hour or a few minutes, people forget what we say. But the word of God is eternal. When it is spoken, the Holy Spirit ingrains it and writes it upon the hearts of men and writes it upon our hearts. And he will bring it to our remembrance as Christ promised when the whole, when he said the Holy Spirit would be given, he would go and he, the, the Father would send the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brings it to our heart. He brings it in for conviction. He brings it in for correction. He brings it in for teaching. Uh, it is very, very important that we focus on the Word of God, for his words are eternal. And we know that the promises of God, as the word of God tells us, his promises in Christ are yes and amen. That means they are there and they will remain because they are in the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. So let's read this, verse 7 of Psalm 103 down through verse 12. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not, and we dealt with this scripture yesterday or in the last broadcast, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great, so powerful, so magnificent, so abundant and overabounding is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. May the Lord bless the reading of his word as we consider God's mercy. You know, we've talked a great deal about God's mercy, and, and as David writes a great deal about the mercy of God, he also says here in verse 9, the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. When you consider God's mercy and you consider God's grace and his love, those are not just uh, things that he gives to us. Yes, he does give them. To, he pours them out upon mankind. 
but they are not just gifts. We must understand that that is who he is. He is merciful. He is gracious, and certainly he is loving. For his love is an abounding love. It's unconditional. It's unending. It's based in his heart. Uh, you know, many times we want to measure uh, those things of God that he is by our human measurements, how we would react, what our love is and what our forgiveness is and what our mercy toward others is. We cannot measure the mercy, grace, and love of God by our standards, by our scales, and by our measuring devices, our tape measures, whatever you want to say. We can't measure them by the human standard because God is infinite. He is divine. He is all-knowing. He's ever-present, and he certainly all-powerful. He is the one true and living God, the God of creation, the God of Israel, and might I say the God of all mankind, whether you want to admit it or not. But let's look at this today. God does not just give mercy. He just doesn't have mercy. God is mercy. He demonstrates mercy because he is merciful. This is why he demonstrates it. He is merciful. Two words, merciful. That means he's full of mercy. He is graceful. That means he is full of grace. He is loving. That means he has an eternal love for all mankind because everything in him and in Christ is eternal. Remember what I said, the promises of God are in Christ are yes and amen. That means they are final. That's why the word of God tells us in Revelation, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Almighty. Uh, we, are, we are talking about the God of all creation when we are talking about the God that has mercy upon us. How remarkable that is. But Jesus, I want you to understand something. You know, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, and I, I won't quote it, but I'll uh, kind of tell you what it says here. He says, he is on his throne in heaven, and it refers to him being there where he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. Jesus is not on his throne in heaven and sitting before a angry face God who is saying to him I well I guess I can't forgive I can't get them for those sins because you paid for those sins but I I want you to know I will forgive but I won't forget no that is not our God and he demonstrates that that here in, in his word he says what does he say about our our sins number one he says he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. That is a true blessing. He is talking about not dealing with us according to the worst that we could commit. If you notice verse 10, it says he has, David writes here, he says, he hath not dealt with us after our sins. 
Those are transgressions against God's commandments, his laws, the, the trespass, the missing the mark, not coming up to his holy standard, not meeting uh, his righteousness, which we never could do of our own. He has not only that, but David says here, and he says he has nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That word iniquity uh, speaks of being twisted or bent. It speaks of the worst of the worst that we could ever do. In God being merciful, and He, and we said he is merciful, and the word of God tells us here that he's gracious, he's merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. That means his mercy never ends. And that means this is the reason why he has not dealt with us after our sins, nor reward us according to our iniquities, because he is mercy. He is merciful. He is gracious. Grace means that his, that's his unmerited or undeserved favor toward us and his love for us. Uh, and therefore, his mercy flows from grace. God is all three. He's gracious, merciful, and loving. We cannot deny that. It is in his word, and he says it right here. But the revelation, the demonstration of his mercy is stated for us right here in verse 11 and 12. And this is so wonderful. And my prayer is that each and every one of us will see this wonderful and beautiful picture that's painted here in words for us here in the Word of God. Verse 11, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I thank God that God one day looked down and saw this old wretched sinner. He saw me for what I was, and he, he did not reject me. He called my name. The Holy Spirit put me under such conviction, and I, I re repented of my sins. I confessed my sins before the holy and righteous God, and I placed all of my faith in Jesus Christ because he is the revelation of God's mercy. And it tells us right here where that revelation stood at the center of eternity for all mankind to look upon, to come to a place that we could go and receive forgiveness of our, our sins and our iniquities, where we could be, as, 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 uh, as David says right here when he talks about verses uh, 2 and 3, when he talks about his benefits, uh, let's see, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Verse 3, For he who, who forgiveth all our or thine iniquities, who healeth all thine diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, to, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh my goodness, he executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. There are none other uh, no other people that no other being that is more oppressed than a lost sinner and i can tell you that today because i know where he's brought me from and what he's brought me to today and that was all because of calvary and we see 
Though it is not painted in a portrait where we can see it with our eyes, we can look and read verses 11 and 12, and we can see it through the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our mind and the eyes of our soul because his revelation of his mercy was that Calvary's cross. If you look at verse 11, it talks about the vertical pole or the vertical beam of the cross he says for as the heaven is high above the earth so great is his mercy toward them that fear him if you draw a straight line straight up from the from the 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 base of the earth that you draw it straight up into the heavens as far as as you can go into the unimaginable expanse of the universe which we know nothing about that is how great his mercy is, but that represents the the vertical or the yeah the vertical beam of the cross. And then if you look at verse twelve, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I thank God that he didn't say I'm going to remove your transgressions as far as the north is from the south, because that's about twelve hundred twelve thousand five hundred miles from the North Pole to the South Pole. And if you start going north, you will eventually come to a stopping point and then you'll have to start going back south. You see what I'm saying? So our transgressions, if it was from north to south, would be about 12,500 miles. You can measure that, but you got to understand something. God's mercy cannot be measured because he removes them as far as the east is from the west. If you draw that line, it's a horizontal line from east to west. That represents the horizontal beam of the cross, and they intersect at a place called Calvary, a place called Golgotha, where Jesus Christ was hung on a tree. He entered in, he stepped into humanity. God himself stepped into humanity and became flesh, blood and bone. And he was nailed to that cross over 2,000 years ago. And that is where he paid for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world by his precious blood. And that's the picture that's painted for us here today is Calvary's cross, the vertical beam and the horizontal beam. And they intersect at Calvary where Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why did he say that? Because God, when he placed all of our sins upon him on the cross, he could not even look at his own son. That marks the first time and the last time there was ever any broken communication between the Father and the Son. And that happened because of you and for, and me, because our sins were placed upon him there. And by his blood, he paid our sin debt in full. By his innocent sacrifice, he died the innocent for the guilty. I tell you, the word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him speaking of none other than Jesus Christ who is painted in this verbal portrait for our hearts to see today and that as we look upon that cross that stands at the center of eternity for all of mankind to look upon and look upon the one that hung there and place 
our faith in him and accept him as our Lord and Savior and receive eternal life through him. That, my friends, is the revelation of God's mercy. That is why he cannot, he has not dealt with us after our sins. I want to read these scriptures to you right quick in closing. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 5 through 7, he says, The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. He's speaking of none other than the prophecy of Jesus Christ here going to the cross. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Christ suffered a death that we should have died. He was abused. He was spat upon. They plucked his his hairs of his beard off of his face. He was struck and beaten beyond recognition. But the thing is, he paid the price for you and me. This is the judgment that we spoke about in the last message. That judgment of God that should have come to us and should be upon us right now for our sins. This is the price that Christ paid. Number one, they plucked the, beard, the, the hairs of his beard off of his face. Number two, he they they scourged him. I don't know if you know anything about a Roman scourging, but what they would do is take the criminal in there and they would tie him to a post on each side and then they would strip his clothes off of him and then they would beat him with a cat of nine tails which had shards of pottery and shards of glass and sharp rocks in the ends of those that whip, and when they would strike the flesh with it, the Roman soldier pulled it back. It would rip the meat away from the body. This is what our Savior suffered for us, that we might not have to face such judgment, such a death that he died. Not only that, but he was judged. God the Father had to judge his only son. The one who took our sins. He made him to be sin. He placed our sin upon him that by his sacrifice and by his blood, we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when he placed all those sins upon him in some supernatural way, he fired his eternal judgment down upon those sins in the person of Christ on the cross. And that at that point in time, my friends, is where Christ paid the eternal price for you and for me. Now, we know that he died on the cross, but we also know three days later he got up and he overcame death, hell, and the grave for us. But let's look a little further at this. The Word of God tells us here in Isaiah chapter 52. I want to start reading at verse 13 here. He says, Behold, my servant, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his, his visage was marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouth at him for that which had not been told them shall they see and that which they had not heard shall they consider 
And then it goes on right here in verse uh, 4 through 6 of Isaiah 53. Isaiah says it all right here, what Christ did for us at that place called Calvary, Golgotha, the cross, as was represented where God's revelation of his mercy was poured out upon humanity. He says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep, and this states the reason why, right here in verse 6 of Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What did David say right there in Psalm 103? He said, He that healeth, he forgiveth all thine iniquities, healeth all thy diseases. He redeemeth thy life from destruction. That means that he redeems us. He purchased us off the slave market of sin by giving his life and pouring out his blood. And by his blood, we are redeemed. And all we have to do, he did all the work. It's not about what, who we are. It's about what he did. It's not about what we do, but who he is. And he is merciful. He is gracious and certainly loving. Uh, Jesus Christ said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. So as we look at this wonderful and remarkable verbal portrait that's painted here for our hearts to see today, and I pray that every living soul that hears this message will hear these words as we close. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Why is that so important that it's east or west? Because if you go, if you start going east, you will eternally go east. You will never go west. If you start going west and you will eternally go west and you will never meet the east you will always go west therefore they're eternally separated from us they are they are cast into the depths of the sea never to be remembered no more why because of the cross at calvary which is painted for us to see here today god is merciful He's merciful because he judged our sins in Christ on the cross. And that is where we must go to have our sins dealt with through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All we have to do is place our faith in him. The word of God tells us, and I want to turn over there right quick. If you'll give me just a moment, I apologize. I'll try not to be too much longer. I'm going to close with this because I said I would, and I want to be good to my word. The word of God tells us this is what it takes to be saved. And it's through faith. We know that the Apostle Paul said, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But this is what the Word of God tells us how to be saved. Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. 
I want to read this right quick and close. And my friend, Senator Franny, you listen close. It's not something that you need to do to yourself. All you have to do is repent and place your faith in Christ. He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I want you to listen closely to verse 13 of Romans chapter 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sinner friend, if you're out there today and you're rejecting Christ, I want you to understand something. Christ paid an eternal price for you on Calvary's cross. He has paid all of your sin debt. He has taken your place. He has suffered that judgment that was upon your sin because you stand condemned in your condition already. He has already suffered that condemnation that through through him and placing your faith in him, you might not be condemned but receive eternal life. And the, the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in your heart. All you have to do is place your faith in him. It said right there, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Confession. Uh, believe it. it it says right here, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's as simple as it is. Give your heart and life to Christ today. It is the best decision you will ever make. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. But I assure you, it's the most important thing, decision you will ever make in your life. I pray for you today that you will do so. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sorry I went a little long today, but I look forward to the next time that we can share in a word from the Word of God. God bless.